2: Right now, let's bring in Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Socks editor, columnist, and blogger at MLiveGo on the Bloomberg. I really want to start with bank earnings. We got Goldman Sachs' results. Uh, Interestingly, the reaction has been decidedly mixed, even though they beat uh, by quite a bit on the top line uh, revenues.
3: Yeah, some concern with what's going on with their equity trading business. That was a weak spot in terms of revenue she got a management transition. That's wow, now understatement
2: set. of the year. Management transition. Yeah, got a new
3: boss. Wow, well, it, it's a process. Okay, <laughs> I mean it's not going to happen right away. We know that uh, Lloyd Blankfein will remain CEO and chairman until October first. He'll give up the CEO job to uh, President David Solomon. Then, by year end, he'll step down as chairman. Solomon will take that job. So. Yeah, it, it it's a transition that uh, it's been something that's been talked about for a few months, so it's not a surprise. But you know, it it's like anything else. It's uh, you know, it's change coming to Goldman, and you know, people tend not to like change very much, and. That would explain, at least in part, the stock's uh, slide in early trading.
2: Also, a uh, big, big mover today: Netflix. They reported disappointing earnings after the bell yesterday, and they are just getting hammered and bringing the Nasdaq down. Uh, shares. What are the? What's the latest with the shares? They were down. Well, at they're 1. down 14%. a bit more
3: than ten percent, but so they'll come back. From the what's interesting, lows. though, is if you go back and look at the history of Netflix's moves after earnings reports, this is not a surprise at all. Because, you know, on average, the stock up or down 13 percent going all the way back to 2007, uh, the day after earnings. And, you know, today we were down at the lows, 14 percent in change. And Netflix is actually making some of that back. And now the stock's only up 87 percent for the year, which really tells you, you know, what's happening here as much as anything is a bit of a, a buy the rumor, sell yeah. the news, even when the news isn't so Tim. great. I'm just going to get you what's going
1: on in the bond market, which is basically nothing. Uh, The 10-year at 2.85%, though, the... uh well, the two the year at uh, 2.6%. I want to bring in uh, Carl Riccadonna, our chief U.S. economist for Bloomberg Economics, and Matt Posler, uh, our Bloomberg News reporter who covers the Federal Reserve. And, of course, we are awaiting Jerome Powell, chair of the Federal Reserve, and his testimony uh, before a Congress. Um, Matt, what do you expect him to say? I mean, we've got the prepared marks, but, I mean, is he really going to say anything that's going to be market-moving?
4: Well, that's a good question. You know, I think um, maybe if uh, they start getting into some more detailed questions about the Fed's plans for interest rates this year and next year, you know, there's a big question about um, the Fed. Kind of sees there's this neutral interest rate that they think once they get to that neutral rate, then um, you know they will no longer be stimulating the economy. And so the big question for next year is once they get to that neutral rate, which will probably happen next year, they think it's around two seventy five three percent then do they keep going and actually starting to outright restrict economic growth because they're worried about unemployment being too low um, and maybe inflation, you know, going higher. So we don't really see any indication that Jay Powell in these prepared remarks really feels like that's right, you know, going to be necessary. Maybe
1: he's going to be asked about the trade war. Yeah, so that's uh, that's
4: also something that you know could could definitely have implications. He kind of you know very briefly touches on it in these prepared remarks, but doesn't really say anything you know about what it means in particular. So that could be interesting uh, line of questioning as well.
2: Carl, come on in here. Uh, are going to be a lot of questions also about the labor market which is sort of confusing we have this very low unemployment rate and really muted wage gains how could he be surprising on this i mean do you think that he's going to say anything of note here
5: Well, in the prepared remarks, he says moderate wages uh, say the job market is not causing uh, high inflation, so I think he's going to echo this theme that uh, maybe there still is uh, more slack in the labor market uh, than what a uh, 3.8 or four point zero percent unemployment rate uh, would otherwise have you believe, Uh, and I suspect he'll uh, play the role of economic cheerleader uh, in terms of uh, indicating that uh, through the Fed's policy and maybe uh, also uh, tipping his hat to uh, tax reforms, uh, we're actually actually seeing labor force participation potentially uh, at least leveling out, if not uh, edging higher as a strong economy is coaxing workers back in off the sidelines? In
2: in plain English, the participation rate, uh, one thing that people talk about is why has the unemployment rate for working age men in particular remained higher than it was right before the last downturn, and particularly the prime working age uh, men in the U.S.? And people are wondering you know, is this because of the opioid epidemic? Is this because of the high incarceration rates? Is this because because of discrimination, uh, childcare costs? Um, Do you expect him to to sort of weigh in on that at all? I mean, does that matter from an economic perspective? Certainly from a social perspective, it does.
5: I think those are all factors, uh, but I think even more importantly is the uh, dynamics of what has been driving the economy. Uh, And so while you certainly see uh, uneven distribution of employment by sectors, Uh, for example, the construction sector tends to hire uh, a lot more uh, males than females. And uh, certainly construction activity has been a laggard in this cycle as uh, the housing uh, sector really uh, struggled to recover uh, from the bust. And so, you know, everything you mentioned is correct, but I think also just uh, the composition of growth is uh, very relevant. Uh, he'll probably be asked about this. I don't think that uh, there will be uh, market moving uh, responses, uh, you know, as he'll, he'll cite many of the factors that uh, I've uh, mentioned uh, just now.
1: Matt, wonder if you could just comment on uh, some of the other Fed officials, for example, Neil Kashkari, recently talking about the yield curve. Do you think that uh, Chairman Powell will get questions referencing Neil Kashkari?
4: Yeah, you know, I can't imagine the yield curve is too top of mind for a lot of these senators, but on the other hand, it is, you know, a three-hour hearing, right? So, I mean, that is something that could come up um, at some point. Certainly, it's the talk of the town on Wall Street. Everybody's looking at this yield curve flattening, almost flat, Um, obviously historically uh, that has uh, sort of been followed by recessions and so a lot of people are worried about that i mean the interesting thing about fed officials talking about that so much is you know to some extent they do control uh, not only the short-term interest rate but where that long-term interest rate settles as well because if you think it's sort of the average of you know expected short-term interest rates over the next 10 years then they can kind of affect that and so if you look at their long-run neutral rate that we were just talking about earlier that's Right between 2.75 and 3%. That's exactly where the 10-year yield is as well. So um, I think the Fed, you know, Fed officials kind of need to think about the yield curve and and the, the extent to that to which that is just reflecting what they're telling people they are going to do with interest rates and whether that should really be so concerning to them. Um, that markets seem to be getting the message.
2: All right. Dave, come back in here. Uh, with respect to equity markets, do you expect them to have any reaction to anything that Fed Powell uh, could say? For example, if he says, look, uh, we don't necessarily think that the yield curve is setting the same signals that it has in the past. We're going to keep raising rates at a steady uh, and, and slow pace, but we're going to stay on our trajectory. What does that do to, to equities?
3: Well, I mean, there is certainly the potential for movement. Although, let's face it, uh, you know, I think Chair Powell would be perfectly happy if nothing moved in response to what he was saying. That he simply reinforced sort of where uh, people are going in terms to. In terms of interest rate policy here, I mean, just to give you some idea, we saw sort of a brief blip up to the highs of the day in the S&P 500 after those initial headlines came out. Uh, and now you're, you're seeing stocks kind of bounce around, uh, still not quite higher, though uh, they, they've made up a lot of their early losses. So, you know, if that's the outcome, then I suspect the policymakers would be perfectly happy with that.
1: Matt, just a little bit about inflation. Uh, milk, eggs, bread... You've been following the basics, haven't right. you? Yeah, absolutely.
4: So, you know, that's uh, that's really good news, right? So the prices of milk, eggs, and bread, as you mentioned, seem to be coming down a lot. And so that was a really big criticism of the Fed uh, in the early years of this expansion when we did have a little bit of inflation. It was a lot of that, um, you know... Uh, Inflation that was driven by dollar weakness—it was really hitting, you know, low-end consumers right where it hurt the most in the grocery basket. And so, while the Fed was saying, "Oh, you know, we have to keep policy easy; um, we're not worried about inflation," everybody's looking at their grocery bill and saying, "Well, you know, how can you kind of be taking this position?" And Bill Dudley famously got in trouble when he said, "Well, you know, look at iPads, right? The price of those has come down a lot." And, and he said that in 2011. And someone at a town hall said, "Well, you can't eat an iPad." So that certainly is not the case anymore. It's an
1: interesting. You got Carl of. going with that. Yeah, one. I mean, I, Carl, come in on the U.S. economy if you can. Industrial production report out today for the month of June. Uh, estimates were for a gain of a half a percent, actually up six. Yeah, cents it actually, of a it actually in topped expectations. Also,
5: yeah, manufacturing was strong, uh, but we have to really parse through the details here because there was a, a fire at a, a parts supplier in the auto sector, and so we saw a swoon in May and then a, a sharp rebound in June. Uh, the moral of the story is uh, the Q2 factory output data looks good Uh, The Q2 consumer spending data look great, uh, and we're looking at a quarter that will probably uh, register a GDP gain of, if not in the high threes, maybe even in low 4% uh, territory. Uh, But we shouldn't get too excited about one uh, single quarter because uh, we will see a moderation in the second half of the year. Uh, There's this usual whipsaw between uh, a weak Q1 and a strong Q2. I'm sorry, I'm going
2: to have to break in here. Uh, Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve Chair, is now starting his testimony uh, before the House. Let's listen in thanks for listening to the bloomberg pnl podcast
1: you can subscribe and listen to interviews at apple podcasts soundcloud or whatever podcast platform you prefer i'm Pim fox i'm on twitter at pym fox
2: i'm on twitter at lisa abramowitz one before the podcast you can always catch us worldwide on bloomberg radio